Many Christians today are feeling absolutely overwhelmed by the evil that is both in the world and in the church. And as such, many are becoming paralyzed, frozen in fear, or just the feeling that you can't make a difference in the world. But that's not what Our Lady is saying to us. She's telling the church, you need to be proactive. We're going to talk about that next on Countdown to the Kingdom. Hello, I'm Mark Mallett from Countdown to the Kingdom and thenowword.com. And I'm joined now by Professor Daniel O'Connor from New York State. Welcome again, Daniel. Good to be back, Mark. We're, uh, we've been struggling with some technical issues for the past couple hours here, so forgive me if I'm just a few pixels on your screen at any given point, but hopefully you can at least hear us loud and clear. Yeah, well, right now you're clear, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been going in and out. It's, yeah. it's, you, know, you were speculating that it might be the cow farts up here in Canada, yes. the methane yeah. coming from them, interfering with the Wi-Fi. Um, but in fact, all I'm pretty sure all of the problems in the world boil down to cow farts. We've, <laughs> we've concluded that, right? <laughs> or burps. It's all Canada's fault too. Yeah, <laughs> out of both ends. Yeah, yeah. No, it's. I think that's what it really amounts to. Um, it, we just got to put our our cattle down and and eat yeah. Bill Gates' fake meat, and we'll all yeah. be fine. Everything will be fine. And I wish we were joking here, but we're not. Like that's what they're telling us. The problem <clears throat> is, is, is if, as long as we get rid of our carbon. And our cow farts, we, we all, all would be well. Yeah. It's uh, it's an insane world, isn't it? I mean, really, we're, we're kind of laughing about it, but it, people are having these kind of real discussions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one volcano pops off, and you've got you've got more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than, right. than cows or man will ever create. It, right. You know, you've got volcanoes going off under the ocean right now in a higher degree, warming the oceans, but we're ignoring all these things. And, and uh, I, you know, I, we're just giving you an example, I think, of the frustration that many of us feel is we watch really the the inmates of the asylum are running the show right now, Daniel. It's right. it, well It's craziness. <laughs> That's well put. Yeah. And, and that's, as you said, in, in a few minutes ago in the opener there, that's true. That that seems to be true, at least in the church and the, the world and the church, that mm-hmm. we've got insanity. We've got we've got moral, spiritual and even logical insanity running the show. And the mm-hmm. temptation is to just look at that as any sane person would look at that and just be just want to give up. Just say, okay, I, what, what on earth can I do? Well, as Mark said, Our Lady is not asking us to give up. She's asking quite the opposite. She's got an exhortation for us to be not only not, only not giving up, but to be the very ones to hasten the coming of the kingdom. And, and you need to rest assured that if you are in God's grace, you're striving to do His will, you can do that. You can have a huge impact because you are one in a million as far as God is concerned. I'm thinking of my son, who my eldest son, Gregory, who's 24 years old now, just turned 24, and the conversation we had last night. And you know, Greg is—he really wants—he wants to—he wants to live his life. I mean, obviously, he's 24. He wants to meet the right woman. He wants to get married. He wants. But there's a sense of a wall in front of him. And part of that wall, for sure, as you, Daniel, as we said in the last program, you hit that wall too, where you know you weren't even allowed to, you're not allowed to finish your PhD because you didn't get injected. You know, and a lot of these young people who are young Christians in my own family, in, in my extended family, many of them lost their jobs during this time. Many of them couldn't get hired. And so there's a sense of hopelessness, and I think in the face of that, many are just becoming frozen. They just don't want to do anything. And uh, I mean, that's the title of our show today. You know, are, frozen? Are are you frozen? And we're you, we're the ones that we're reaching out to through this show tonight because Our Lady wants you to become unstuck. She de- she wants you to be proactive. Yeah. And things are what they are. The the times we living we're living in, they are what they are. And and God knows this. He's seen it coming all along. And you and I were born for these times, as the 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 now the the statement goes. But it's so true. And and God wants us to be active participants. There's so much to come. 
a, a, a time of evangelization. I think, as you said the last show, Daniel, that the world has never seen. So today we want to just focus on what Our Lady is saying. And Daniel, you mentioned there is an exhortation from Our Lady that was given to Pedro Regis, October 3rd. And uh, you go, go ahead and read that. This is from Our Lady speaking to Pedro Regis, who is in, I think he's Brazil. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and she says, mm -hmm. listen to me. If humanity listened to my appeals, it would be spiritually healed. But men have rejected the mercy of my Jesus and are walking toward a great abyss. Mm. And we just want to focus on those first simple three words that almost everyone, it seems, are ignoring because there's the words that are maybe easy to overlook. But she's saying, listen to me. Are we doing that? Or are we just relegating her to the position of uh, just like another blogger or something? Like, she's the queen of the entire universe. She's the queen of heaven and earth. And she's giving these messages. And we've, you know, we, we have discerned them and we're not claiming infallibility or anything. But I believe that if you discern in accordance with the Spirit, you'll hear the voice of Our Lady in what she's saying to the seers today. And if that's really Our Lady, and it, and it is, we better, we better listen. We better see what she's asking of us. Yeah. It, the, it, it, we were talking about this earlier before the show, how there's still, even now in the church, intellects who just brush aside private revelation, who, who just say, you know, oh, we, you really don't need to listen to it. Everything you need is for your salvation. Uh, you've already got it. Uh, this private revelation, you can't trust it. It's not approved. A whole bunch of fallacies, actually, because it, the catechism itself is very clear when it comes to these private revelations from Our Lady and, and private revelation in general. And it says in number 67 that although no new public revelation is to be expected before the glorious manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet even if revelation is already complete, it has not been made completely explicit. It remains for Christian faith gradually to grasp its full significance over the course of the centuries. So, here's the teaching of the Church telling us, even though the public revelation is complete, it hasn't been made completely explicit. And, and I think that's where private revelation plays a powerful role because you have heaven intervening in the present moment of whatever period that, that heaven is intervening and saying, look, this is what you need to do. And as Our Lady says, listen to me. Listen to heaven. We have your salvation in mind. We have your best, uh, you know, your best uh, future in mind, as it says even in the book of, I think, Lamentations, you know, God has a future full of hope for us, and He does. But if we don't listen, then it's true. The future isn't a future full of hope. It's a future of pain and of sorrow. And sad to say, Daniel, Our Lady, I, I, I think her most powerful message to the church and the world today is not in the words she's giving us. It's in her tears. It's in the tears she's weeping in hundreds of statues and icons around the world. Uh, these Many of them have been investigated. Bishops are standing behind it. It's miraculous. It's one of the greatest signs of the times in the world. Our Lady weeping because we're not listening. <laughs> right, right. I know, I, I know with certainty that there's a whole plethora of apparitions that are absolutely authentic. This is really is the Queen of Heaven. So how could you take that reality and respond to it? Who cares? Not absolutely necessary for salvation. I'm just going to plod along happily in my own self will with my own plans. Well, if you go that way, it's not going to go well for you. Sure, you, may, you might eke your way into heaven if, if you at least submit to public revelation, but God has a much better plan in mind for that. He's got a plan to restore the world through chastisements that are coming, yes, but he wants you to be a primary protagonist in that effort. I, I think I brought this up in the last video. We, Mark and I, we would love if billions of people watch this, but we know that that won't happen. <laughs> we're speaking here, even if it gets many views, whatever, who, whatever, whatever God's will is, we're speaking here to a remnant. And be, the mere fact that you've heard this means that you are called. The mere fact that you've heard this. Mm -hmm. Ruminate on that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying to you, whoever you are, that you're perfect, that you're already a great saint or whatever. Yeah. But by the mere fact that you know what Our Lady is calling you to, that alone 
settles it that you are among an incredibly small group who's called to usher in the coming of the kingdom. What that means for us now is really preparing people for the warning also by awakening so the consciences of souls, which we'll get to shortly in a different message. So, in summary then, in, in our, our introduction, what we're saying is that private revelation has a role. Prophecy has a role. It's biblical. The church teaches that we need to discern it. We need to listen to it. We need to test it. And although we have everything we need for our salvation, as it says in the Catechism, we don't have everything we need for our sanctification. That is, there's there's things that heaven says to us that we need to do in this hour in order that we could grow in sanctity, that we can come into a deeper relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. The revelations of Faustina about the mercy of God have led many of us into a deeper trust of Jesus. The revelations to servant of God, Louisa Picaretta, are leading us into that sanctity of sanctities, of living in the divine will. And so, Benedict XIV, not the living Pope uh, Emeritus right now, Benedict XVI, but Benedict XIV said this about private revelation, that he to whom that private revelation is proposed and announced ought to believe and obey the command or message of God if it is proposed to him on sufficient evidence. For God speaks to him at least by means of another, and therefore requires him or her to believe. Hence it is that he is bound to believe God who requires him to do so. I mean, I read that, that sounds pretty clear. What he's saying is if you have sufficient evidence that a private revelation is true, it's unwise and you are bound to believe it. So, if God is, I mean, what if St. Paul didn't listen to God? Right. What if Moses right. didn't listen to God? So, right. we just wanted yeah. to touch it, it on this. It boils down, what is God saying? Like, mm-hmm. why, 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 do we, why, why do we temporize? And why do we qualify it with all these silly little quibbles when the ultimate question is just, is this from God? Discern. If you, if you apply church-sanctioned norms of discernment, and it becomes clear that God is speaking— then that imposes an obligation in your soul. Whether it's one that is a strict obligation in accordance with public revelation, well, whatever. But as the Catechism says, and I don't have the quote here in front of me, but it says, I can recall very well, in all that he says and does, man is obliged to follow faithfully what he knows is just and right. Mm. And I've written in the past on how I believe that the past two years especially, they've been a boot camp for the faithful. Because it's not like the church came out and defined magisterially, you can't get the COVID vaccine or something. But I've encouraged people, and I've laid out the argument, and I've encouraged people to, and I know you've done this also, Mark, to to realize that there's something dark going on here. But if you just want to just push those thoughts aside and say, oh, no, no, it's not condemned by infallible magisterium, so I can do it. Well, you're, you're, you're working your way slowly but surely towards a path that will, I think, not too long from now, lead you to the mark of the beast itself. So God is asking, he's training us to become, to to discern the call of the Holy Spirit and to heed that call, whether or not it's a strict obligation infallibly defined by the magisterium. Okay, so if you want to read more on what Daniel and I have just talked about, I've got a lengthy article on Countdown of the Kingdom called Prophecy and Perspective. So just use our search engine, write, you know, type in the word perspective and it'll pop up. And and I we go into much greater detail about how to read prophecy, particularly at this time when so much of it is very troubling to many people. But throughout all of these prophecies on, on Countdown of the Kingdom, you always find a beautiful message of hope and direction from Our Lady. And so, with that, why don't we turn to a message to Gisela Cardia that was given on October 11th. And Our Lady says to her, My children, you who have awoken, awaken the consciences of your brothers and sisters and pray for your souls. So the first thing, most of you watching this right now are awake. <laughs> You're the souls she's talking to you. You're awake. So she's not saying, 
<laughs> yeah, you're woke, but woke in the good sense, woke in the not, right sense. Not woke, but awake, right? <laughs> That's right. And and Daniel, I'm not sure <laughs> if he's awake because he's so We pixelated. don't want to accuse anyone of being woke. Here. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'm frozen. <laughs> yeah, you're frozen. Yeah, Daniel's frozen, but uh, no, he's just pixelated, folks. So don't be afraid. That's that's Daniel. He's morphing into something a transhumanist. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not intending to transition here. Yeah, we can't it's do anything about my, the the signal. It's the, it's the cow farts. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's a delay too. I think D- Daniel is delayed by several seconds. So uh, if he if he interrupts me, it's not because he's rude, although he is. But it's because, no, I'm just kidding. I am. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's just a bit delayed. But anyway, maybe you want to comment on this. That the, the our lady saying those who have awoken, he, don't just sit on your hands now, but go out to those who are still asleep. Right. I just I love this this single phrase from our lady to Gisela Cardia. It really stuck with me when I read the message just you know the day or so it came out. That we talk a lot about the illumination of conscience and we await it and we pray for it to be hastened and we prepare for it of course but what we sometimes fail to realize is that's our task right now to strive to do our best to illumine the consciences of others you know jesus isn't saying just sit back and relax i'll do all the work he's asking us to participate in this and we know that the warning is coming if you doubt that just take a look at, at the video mark and i did on the sixth seal of revelation but because it's coming, that means we need to prepare for it by awakening consciousness. The more we can do that now, the more souls will be ready to respond well to the warning itself when it happens. So we awaken the consciousness how? By, incur- by telling people, as we talked about in our last webcast, that Jesus is coming soon. Repent. Believe in the gospel. That's the fundamental exhortation that Jesus himself started his own public ministry with. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. People will be touched by God's grace. They will realize, even if you don't have the wherewithal to lay out this lengthy apologetics argument, you can at least be among those few souls who who give them this reminder, this invitation, to realize that Jesus is coming. We better get our souls in order. In the next sentence, Our Lady says, Humanity has exchanged love for hate, prayer for blasphemy. The gift that God left you, the Eucharist, is now something insignificant. And when I hear these words, I I think of the the, the passage from St. Paul who says, You need to become like shining stars amongst a a wicked and crooked and perverse generation. I think that's in Ephesians. I can't remember. But the thing is, things are so dark, and we might look at this as something that is is a sense, gives us hopelessness. But there's another thing about this, is the darker it gets, the brighter become the authentic saints. The brighter they become. And just our love, our gentleness, our meekness, our joy in the midst of a world that suicide rates are exploding, that those little things make a huge difference. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I just want to pause for a moment and go right now to a speech given by the new Italian Prime Minister Giorgia Milani. Daniel, this speech she gave, uh, it just went viral across the world. And the reason is, this woman suddenly broke from the narrative broke from what everybody's doing in the politically correct realm, including in the church, and she began to speak the truth. It's a powerful speech. It's it's short. We're going to just share this with you here, and then we'll come back. This is about what we are doing here today. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightened? There is a single answer to all these questions, because it defines us, because it is our identity, because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and to simply be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian woman, mother. No, I must be citizen X, gender X. 
Parent one, parent two, I must be a number. Because when I'm only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. That's the reason why. That's why we inspire so much fear. That's why this event inspires so much fear. Because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being. Every single human being. Because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God, country and family. Those things that disgust people so much. We will do it to defend our freedom. Because we will never be slaves and simple consumers at the mercy of financial speculators. That is our mission. That is why I came here today. Chesterton wrote, more than a century ago. Let's see if I can find it. Fires will be kindled to testify that two and two make four. Swords will be drawn to prove that leaves are green in summer. That time has arrived. We are ready. Thank you. All right, I mean, powerful speech. You've got the Prime Minister basically saying everything's upside down and it's time now to fight it. Pa- powerful speech. No matter what you think of right. her, that was powerful. Yeah, and, and I'm not, yeah, neither Mark nor I are saying we endorse every single detail about her. We don't know every single detail about her. I don't, e- I don't even know if she's technically the Prime Minister yet. I know she's set to be <laughs> very soon, but but that, quoting Chesterton, that, 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 battles over two and two making four and you think about how today we can't even assert the most basic tenets of reason and natural law in either the church or the world without being ridiculed and you know that's it reminds me of our lord's words in the gospel that the days will come when whoever kills you will think they are offering sacrifice to god what a what an ominous warning our lord gave there in the gospel but you see here today that we are the those who say that there's male and female and that only male and female can be married and and that a male can't become a female like these are things that are so obvious you'd be completely laughed at uh, five seconds ago if you said them but today you are labeled as a hateful bigot and they're trying everything they can to lock you in jail over that today so that we now finally have a uh, uh, a significant world leader saying these things is very encouraging. I, I hope that she's kept safe because clearly those in control of the global system are not going to be very happy with her being the prime minister of Italy. We are watching a mass deception uh, on the on the scale of what St. Paul spoke about in Second Thessalonians, that God would send a strong delusion that those who refuse to believe the truth, that God would send a deception to them, a strong delusion, so that they would believe uh, falsehood and thereby be condemned. So in a sense, they, they, they're, they're creating their own judgment. And so this is the way God is sifting. It's like, if you want to go this road, then, then here's the road. So, what is the answer? What does Our Lady say? What are Our Lady's solutions? Because she said to Pedro, listen to me. If you listen to me, I would heal you spiritually. So she says in this message, hold prayer cynicals in your families as well. Consecrate yourselves to my immaculate heart and I will protect you. Now, first and foremost, brothers and sisters, it's spiritual protection. That's 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 the bottom line. You know, a lot of people talk about refuges, physical refuges. We've had a, a webcast on that, so we won't go into it. But, I mean, it's in tradition that there will be refuges, physical places of solitudes, as Lactantius, Church Father, called them. But the most important thing is the spiritual refuge, that you are in that heart of Our Lady to protect you from the strong delusion that arguably, I think, is already beginning, we're in the beginning stages of it, spreading through the world, through what we just saw over the last three years. So, Our Lady says, hold cynicals with your family, come into the presence of God, where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, there I am in their midst. 
She says, consecrate yourself to my immaculate heart. That means enter into the ark. And she she is the ark for our times. Jesus said that to uh, Elizabeth Kindleman. He said, my mother's heart is the ark for your times. I mean, just think about that. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. She's saying, yeah, God is saying, it's how you're going to be she, protected. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even have to move to some ideal country where you where you won't be persecuted. Like Our Lady, she's everywhere. She she's not herself omnipotent, but she she as mediatrix of all grace certainly participates in the omnipotence of her son. So she's everywhere. So you all you don't have to move. So if God's asking you to move, then do it. Sure, but you don't have to do that to find refuge in Our Lady's immaculate heart. Make your own home a refuge, not necessarily by getting years and years of freeze-dried food, but by consecrating your families, mm. by making your own family a prayer cynical. And how do you do that? Well, here's a real easy way to start that everybody can do. Pray the rosary as a family every single day. And if you've got toddlers like I do, it might be a disaster some nights. There might be two-year-old throwing a tantrum. It might be chaos it might be world war three in your living room but that's okay just do it and, and try yeah. you try to pray from the heart and and of course it's there's going to be struggles but you're trying your best and god is going to look kindly upon that and he's going to allow your family to be a refuge to to part to enter into this refuge i should say of the immaculate heart of our lady yeah, and I, I think I have, I think I said it in a in a former webcast that uh, probably a couple of years ago or a year ago, you know, with my family when they were young, we ha we have eight children, and when they were young, you know, there was eight of us sitting around the table, uh, ten of us rather with the children, and so we ended up. I felt for where they were at. We we prayed a decade a day, so by the time we got to Friday, from Monday to Friday, we prayed a whole rosary, and then. As the when the kids got older, suddenly it was like we're going to pray the whole rosary. We're going to pray the whole thing, and you know the kids didn't even blink. And we began praying it, and to this day now we pray the whole rosary, and we try to do so every night. So I mean, honestly, some nights it's chaos around here. It's busyness. There's so much going on, and 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 it doesn't happen. And uh, and I think Our Lady doesn't want us to feel guilty. Um, but we ought to try. We ought to try and carve that time, as I've said so many times, as you carve out time for supper, you need to carve out time for prayer. And I think that is no more important than right now in this hour. And that's why Our Lady said to Marvin Govenda on October 15th, continue steadfastly to pray daily the Holy Rosary. May you be encouraged in holy perseverance by the example of all the saints who prayed this prayer so dear to me daily because they honored and loved me. And let's not forget Daniel, what John Paul II said, that it was due to the rosary, the prayer of the rosary, that uh, during different critical times in, in Christian history that it was attributed to the prayer of, of the rosary that Our Lady helped bring deliverance through her son Jesus Christ to the church. Mm. And I mean we could we, we, we probably should do a whole show on the rosary, but yeah. we just want to reaffirm you in those family cenacles, make the rosary especially a part of it. And reading the Word of God to your children. Read the Word of God. It's the living Word of Jesus Christ. So don't forget to, to bring the Scriptures alive to them. And you don't need to be a theologian. Just, uh, just a brief reflection, maybe on the daily gospel or what it might be. Yeah, and you know, the Old Testament says, drill these into your children. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds severe, but that's the Word of God. They're saying, drill this into your children. Don't you dare let them hit the age of adulthood without you having drilled these truths of Scripture into their minds. They might hate you for it at the moment because they want to be off playing their video games, but they'll love you for it in the long term, that you gave mm -hmm. them the Word of God. So don't neglect that. Now, there's a reason, brothers and sisters, Our Lady has been given as a refuge and why she's saying, consecrate yourself to my Immaculate Heart, because we are living in a time of tremendous deception and upheaval, most especially in the Church. And I think this this photo kind of says it all uh, with the church steeple in the background. But in this message, also to Gisela Cardia on October 3rd, Our Lady says this, Children, see to it 
that modernism in the church does not contaminate you. Be faithful to the true magisterium of the church. Daniel, uh, we are seeing right now in the church nothing like anything we've ever seen in our lifetimes. And it's the fulfillment of the message of Akita, where Our Lady said we would see bishop against bishop and cardinal against cardinal. Now you've got the very highest cardinals you can imagine under the Pope himself giving the same exact warnings that we were. Not that there's anything special about us. We were just reiterating Our Lady's warnings in these messages that there is a great apostasy coming. It's going to reach the very heights that divine providence could possibly allow it to reach. And when you see Cardinal Mueller, who, recall, was the prefect for the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith under Pope Benedict and Pope Francis, so the highest churchman you can actually have under the Pope himself as far as doctrine number two, is concerned. Yeah. yeah, number two, warning of a hostile takeover of the church. I can't imagine a more superlative warning than this. Can you, Mark? No, I, I mean, it, 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 this warning from Cardinal Mueller uh, was like a shockwave that went throughout the, through the world because you, you are talking about the number two man who was the number two man in the church. And Cardinal Mueller has been very careful uh, with his choice of words, but increasingly warning that there are sophistries in the church coming from bishops and cardinals. And, you know, regarding what's going on right now with this synod on synodality, um, which is all about listening and, and, he says, this has nothing to do with Jesus Christ, with the triune God. And they think doctrine is only like a program of a political party who can change it according to their voters. And, of course, he's referring to the whole idea that, that this synod now is polling even unbelievers and the laity. Now, nothing wrong with asking people, what, how can we be a better church? But we're clearly hearing from cardinals and bishops in their own respective synods, such as in Germany or in Belgium, uh, where they've already moved in the Flanders region to bless same-sex unions. And, you know, in the German uh, synod, they were pushing for all kinds of liberalization of uh, sexuality and sexual norms when it comes to homosexuality and so on. And Cardinal Pell uh, slammed it, and he said, this is suicidal and warning of serious heresies. I mean, this is unparalleled what we're seeing right now at this hour in the church, at least in our generation, if not in the entire history of the church. Right. I mean, I certainly don't recall it in my life, and I don't recall reading of anything like this. Yes, I've read of Arian heresy and and the Great Schism, and I've read of all those things, but we, we have to understand that, as I've said before, those crises in the church, they weren't centralized around these tenets of the very natural and divine law itself that no one has any right to reject or or mm-hmm. much to reject to, or to even fail to understand much less reject when you have the bishops of a church of an entire nation for example germany but there's plenty of other bishops conferences doing the same thing now seeking to bless that which is intrinsically disordered contrary to the catechism Uh, Just open up the catechism. It will answer these questions clearly for you. It will preserve you in the orthodox truth of the faith. Whenever there's a question about what is acceptable, what is good, what is not good, what is true, what is false, open up the Bible, open up the catechism, they'll answer it for you. The question is not so much, it's not difficult to know the truth. It's difficult to want it because most people, they don't seem to want it today, and that includes, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. the bishops in our church. So when you see warnings of this magnitude coming from cardinals, I've never seen them before, and I've never read of them before. Now, Cardinal Mueller, shoot, now I can't remember if it was Cardinal Mueller or Pell, but it was one of those great cardinals who warned that this would be the end of the Catholic Church if this path is followed. I think that was Cardinal Mueller. Now, he's been slandered. That was Mueller. Okay, now that yeah. he's not saying the Catholic Church will end. He knows that Jesus promised to Peter that the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm-hmm. He's presenting a hy- uh, like he's presenting a syllogism, a conditional, a hypothetical conditional here. If this path is followed, it would lead to the demise of the Catholic Church. Now he knows that won't happen because he knows that Jesus is faithful. But the point is, the direction we're heading now, God will intervene. That's largely. What our message is here, Mark and I, we're saying God will intervene. We need to prepare for that. So God will intervene. But if the church were to continue to follow this path, 
that it's following now, it would destroy the church. And, and that's uh, that's precisely what uh, what Cardinal Pell was getting at as well when he said that to allow serious heresies to continue undisturbed is undermining and damaging the unity of the one true church. And again, is not consistent with Gaudium at space, uh, call for engagement with the modern world in light of the gospel, but contrary to it. So here Cardinal Mueller is saying, you know, listen, this is what we're seeing right now contrary to what the uh, we call them i guess I, I hate labels but rad trads in the church like the, the 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 extremists in the church who who are completely dismissing vatican II, and uh that's a whole nother topic probably for us to get into but cardinal Pell is saying no wait a minute this is not what vatican II was saying it's contrary to it and we're seeing these heresies spreading and i i just want to affirm again you know, the Catholic Church, God is love, and, and the, the scriptures say, you know, love one another. But Jesus is not only love, he is truth. He said, I am the truth. You cannot separate love from truth. So when you talk about a couple, two couples who love each other, or a couple who loves each other, who are a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or whatever they are trying to identify as that week, that love that love that they say and I, I i'm not going to mock it i'm not i'm not trying to belittle them but they have to understand that true love has always got to be rooted in truth and I, 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 your body my body is inscribed with the truth of who you are it's unchangeable biologically physically genetically that's who you are and so if your feelings are not aligned with that truth, then you need help. You need help getting that aligned. And there's many fantastic ministries in the world who have helped people who are struggling with their sexual identity. And, you know, there was a time when even the, the psychiatric uh, and psychological associations recognized this as a, it was a mental disorder of some kind. And now we've completely flipped it, Daniel, where it's, we're applauding it and celebrating it and genetically, uh, not genetically, but butchering children, mutilating them, cutting their breasts off with permanent things mm-hmm. that, that now we're seeing them coming out, many young people, a few years later and saying, I absolutely regret this because I was going through an emotional period. I was feeling pressured. It was politically correct to do this and I went with it. And now I regret it. I'm angry. What's going to happen to the kids and the youth? And there's so many, like, there's so many people who regret this. There's more and more and more coming out and younger, too. It makes me so angry. And what we're going to get is a generation that's screwed up that are screwed up and you can't go back you can't go back so we want to reaffirm again that love and truth always always go together and and this is why we need the church daniel Mm -hmm. the church was commissioned the bulwark of the truth Yeah, yeah the pillar of truth and it's not going to change the truth doesn't change the census and i see and, and as Mark said, there's nothing wrong with listening. Listening is a very good thing, of course. But we, and so I'm not categorically condemning the synod. Uh, that's an act of the church. That's above my pay grade. I'm not qualified to categorically condemn it. But I'm warning that the direction that it's heading in, and I'm just reiterating the warnings of heaven and these cardinals. So all the bases are covered here. The direction it's heading in is becoming this diabolical inversion of the sensus fidelium. The sensus fidelium is the sense of the faithful or sensus fidei, the sense of the faith. The church has magisterial documents on this. The sensus fidelium it is infallible. It's, it's, it's the consensus of all the faithful. But the problem with the direction the synod is heading in, it's misdefining the faithful. It's saying everybody gets a vote. Everybody gets to do it. It's trying to turn the church into this democracy where everybody gets a vote in what it should be. But what we're neglecting to consider is the fact that people who are not formally part of the church, they don't get a vote. 
They're, they're not, they're, their say is not part of the census fidelium. And you're not part of the faithful if you explicitly reject a church dogma. And we uh, probably, you, mm-hmm. if you're a Catholic watching this anywhere, you've probably had some sort of a poll come into your mailbox or your inbox about the, uh, what you believe should be the case because of this synod and synodality. But just consider, that poll is also going to your neighbor who your physical neighbor who explicitly rejects all of the church dogmas and they're getting asked what they think the church's approach should be to x and y and z where could that possibly lead us except away confusion. from the will of god yeah <laughs> confusion auto right. confusion and and I, we even will go a step further and say that the pope himself does not we don't go to the pope and get his vote you know there was a powerful statement by um and let me just qualify what I'm saying. A powerful statement by Pope Francis after the very first synod, and I think this was the synod that preceded Amoris Laetitia, the document on on love and the family and so on. But at the end of that synod, he stood up at the end, and I'll never forget it, and he said, despite the personal whims of the Pope, who is the supreme pontiff, he is the guarantor of belief in the sacred tradition that has been handed on. And Benedict XVI said the same thing. He says the Pope essentially doesn't wake up and and decide what the truth will be. No, no. He's the guarantee of the truth that has been handed on to the Church. And so, no one in the Church has a right to overturn. The only thing, uh, the truth, the only thing the Church does do, and we, we read that earlier in the show, is that revelation, the public revelation of the church, has yet to be fully understood. So we do develop doctrine, but not in the sense that the the example I've used is of a rose. And the rose, if you consider it a bud that was given to the apostles, they were given that sacred tradition from Jesus, all revealed truth. And over the centuries, that flower has opened wider and wider, but you don't add any new petals. No new petals are added. And this is, I think, what the Synod is trying to do, in a sense, what we're seeing. I'm not saying the Pope is trying to do this, God forbid, but what we're seeing is certain bishops and cardinals trying to add new petals, such as the redefinition of our sexuality. And therefore, you know, it's a time of confusion, and yet, nonetheless, what does our mother say to us? Daniel, she says, Be united, children. Be one fold under one shepherd, be of Christ. The church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. There you have the summary of our sacred tradition. And in her, there are many members, but the head is one. It is Christ. It's Him who is the head of the church. It's Jesus who is building the church. And therefore, be of Christ. Be one body. And we want to warn you lovingly, this is not the time to jump from the bark of Peter. There's only one bark. Christ has only built one church, and the only thing you'll hear if you jump from the bark of Peter is splash. I'm not saying it's easy. We're not saying that, that, that these problems and the confusion, uh, the appointments in the church of, of someone, like we just saw one this week, who, who uh, an atheist who's pro-abortion, who's part of the World Economic Forum, appointed to the Academy of the, Pont- the Pontifical Academy right. of Life. Like, right. <laughs> this <laughs> doesn't make sense. As you can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> expect, expect more of that. It's going to get even worse. It's going to yeah. continue in this direction. <laughs> but like our job, like God is begging us to just keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah. All that nonsense. We're going to see. We're going to see the devil himself, the devil's own spawn. I mean, not literal incarnation, <laughs> but the Antichrist himself is probably going to set up his throne in the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And this is all. All this stuff that's been happening for years now and is happening now. That's a reminder for us to not just yeah. blindly trust something because it comes from the Vatican. This is all God's permissive will is active in all of this. He's preparing us to be ready for what's coming in the days ahead, which will be even worse than what's been happening. If it's the divinely protected magisterium, you still can trust it. But you can't necessarily trust what's coming from the men with red hats in the Vatican. So atheist WF people in the Vatican. Yeah, and and that's a sorrowful statement. I mean, I, I feel so sad 
that we have to say that. But look, when you when you do have cardinals coming out and saying as uh, and I, I can't remember his name, Daniel, but he, uh, a cardinal came out who is one of the heads of the synod, and he came out and said we need the the church is not correct on its teaching on homosexual pr- practice. I mean, it goes Cardinal Hollerick, if I recall. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, extraordinary statements that are contrary to 2,000 years of teaching and scripture. And so, the, the sum of this again is Our Lady knows that we're all getting tired. We're all getting tired of this. So, she said in a recent message this time, I got to scroll up, that was to Angela, Our Lady of Zaro in Italy again on October 8th, 8th. She said, Look, when you're tired and your strength begins to fail, Run to my son, Jesus. Keep your eye on the prizes, as uh, Daniel just said. He is present, Jesus, in the blessed sacrament of the altar. That is where he is silently waiting for you. Kneel down before him and love him. Love him with all your strength and with all your heart. His is beating with love day and night for each of you. A beautiful message. So Our Lady is saying, look, when you're tired... Go to where Jesus is. And Jesus is in the tabernacle. He said, My body is real food. My flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats my body and drinks my blood has eternal life. My flesh is true food. Jesus is truly there and present in the tabernacle. And I went there the other day. I went into town and I I, I grabbed my key and I went before the, the sacrament. And he was there, and I felt the loneliness of Christ. I felt how he's so neglected, so abandoned, as we heard in another message just earlier, that the Eucharist is insignificant now to the church, Our Lady said. So go to Jesus and love him, and and, and love him from the heart. When you're in church, you can know intellectually that the Eucharist is there, and you can choose, you can will, to comport yourself accordingly as much as possible you can remain there with him of course in accordance with the duties of your state in life yes you can remain there with him in prayer knowing regardless of what you feel knowing that he's there you can give a a reverent slow genuflection as the message said there the mark just read the eucharist is now treated as something insignificant we were talking earlier in this webcast about shining like lights in this corrupt generation The darker the night, the brighter the stars shine. Do you realize what God can work through you by by, by something so simple Mm -hmm. as you taking three extra seconds to do a genuflection properly before Mm -hmm. the Eucharist? A hundred people in the church, they looked at you and they wondered what on earth is going on with that guy. They do. He just acted like God was in front of him. You can God is, he's begging He's begging you to give him the opportunity to work miracles through you. That's what Our Lady says in the same message. She says she says that many miracles will occur. How do you think they'll, they'll occur? Yeah, God will work some of them directly from heaven. But most of the miracles, he wants to work through you. Are you willing to be that channel through which he works miracles? Because he will, if you're willing. And he's, he's more than willing to work great things through something tiny. But if you're not even willing to give him something tiny, how can he even do that? Uh, and I'm just that's just one example. Of course, there's many other things that well, if you have faith, you'll be able to do, that he'll our, be able to do through you. Our Lady says in the same message, she says, Children, my heart is torn with pain on seeing so many praying only with their mouths and not with their hearts. Jesus said, The Father desires those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. To worship God in spirit means to worship Him with the heart, to come to Him with the heart, and to love Him, to commune with God in a way that, you know, as as St. Paul writes, the spirit within us cries out, Abba, Father. Abba is the word that a Jewish child would use to call his daddy, Abba. And St. Paul saying, call him daddy. And Our Lady is saying, you need to pray with the heart, and my heart's so torn because you're moving your lips. But nothing's coming. You come into church, you genuflect to the wall. You don't even know what you're genuflecting to. When we're at Mass, do we pray the words with our heart, or do we just repeat them with, just rote? And so, you, we need to start becoming deliberate with how we pray. 
Jesus said to Louisa, he said to her so often, be attentive. Be attentive to what you're doing. Listen and be attentive. And so, this authenticity comes when we begin. God desires worshipers who worship Him in, in spirit and truth. And I guess the second part of that, again, is the truth. And the truth is also coming to God in, in, in uh, relative to who you truly are. And in the scriptures, it says, The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. Are you frozen in fear? Is that where you are today? Are you frozen in fear? Well, the Lord is near to those who call upon Him in truth. It's coming to Him as I am, as a sinner. God, I need you. Lord, I'm distracted. Lord, I'm afraid. Lord, I can't read all this prophecy. It's, it's blowing my mind. I can't stand the headlines. Well, come to, to God in truth and tell Him that. Because, as St. John said, perfect love casts out all fear. So flip it around. I think perfect fear casts out all love. So if you're allowing fear to reign in your heart, the antidote to that is to approach God with the heart, to pray in the heart, to become one with God and intimate with God, with Jesus. And in that intimate relationship of love, that perfect love will begin to cast out fear. And and I think you'll become unfrozen, no matter how dire the headlines might be. Amen. And if you want to figure out how to do that, how to approach him with more love, more from the heart, I'll give you a very simple trick. And it's something I got from a talk that I went to. I went to a talk from uh, one of the Medjugorje seers. I think it was Ivan, like 10 or 15 years ago. He said, relaying Our Lady's messages, at Medjugorje, that she's begging us to pray from the heart. He said that the grace to pray well, in other words, is a grace given to those who pray more. Hmm. So you pray more, more time, willing, be willing to sacrifice more time to prayer. And that's going to give you the opportunity to learn and to sincerely pray better from the heart, that's sincerely right. in truth. The way to pray better is to pray more. And the more you pray, the better you'll pray. The Lord will teach you. Well, on, on that note, we, we want to reiterate John Paul II's beautiful words, Be not afraid. You know, there's no caveat on what Jesus said. When he said, Seek first the kingdom of God, and not to worry about all these things. There wasn't. He didn't put a, a caveat on it and say, but if you're living in the end times, or if you're living in, you, know, you should really be afraid. And, and no, you need to seek and store up goods and you forget about your spiritual life because you're going to die if you don't. I mean, I mean, there's no clause in that. For all time, Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God and all the things you need will be taken care of including during times of famine and war and even in these last days of our era. Well, we are. I think we're out of time. Unless you have a quick, brief comment, we should probably bring this to a close. I want to leave it at that. That was perfect. That really hit me. So I hope it, I'm sure it will hit all of our listeners as well. We want you to be unfrozen. So continue to pray with us. We're praying for you. Let's pray for each other that perfect love will cast out fear and that you and I, brothers and sisters, will become like shining stars, warm, burning embers in a world in which the love of many is increasingly growing cold. Be that fire of God. Amen. God bless you. And from me and Daniel, we'll see you next time.